Hey, Joe Casaboni here, and I'm just letting you know that How I Built It is now Streamlined Solopreneur. So if you're seeing a new artwork and a new name in your podcast player, that is expected and by design. The new name better reflects the mission and really what has been the mission of this show for the last few years, and I'm really excited about it. All the links in the show notes and how I built it will still work, but the show also has a new home over at streamlined.fm if you want to check it out. Thanks so much for listening. Real quick before we get started, I want to tell you about the Build Something Weekly newsletter. It is weekly, it is free, and you will get tips, tricks, and tools delivered directly to your mailbox. I will recap the current week's episode and all of the takeaways. I'll give you a top story, content I wrote, and then some recommendation that I've been using that I think you should check out. So it is free. It is weekly. It's over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Go ahead and sign up over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. I love talking to Brian Krogsgaard. And if you need proof, we had a super long pre-show conversation that I'm going to release as bonus content when I roll out the Build Something membership. What? I can't believe it. More coming on that soon. But speaking of, that's the main topic of today's conversation with Brian. Building membership through community. We talk all about how post status has changed since we last spoke all the way back in episode three, which aired in 2016. We'll get into building the membership, innovating, and what keeps your members from churning. And we talk a little bit about gear too. We'll get into all that and more. But first, let's hear a word from our first sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Yes Please Coffee. Upgrade your morning with Yes Please. This fantastic coffee subscription will send freshly roasted beans to your door with no fuss. Pick your size and how often you need beans and they'll ship you a unique blend of expertly sourced and roasted coffee beans. I've been drinking Yes Please Coffee for a few weeks now, and I have been loving it. Each week, I get to try a new blend of flavors that helps me mix up my mornings. And the best part is I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to go to some new roaster's website, look at all the flavors, wonder if I'm actually going to like it or not, and then finally order. Every week, Yes Please just sends me coffee, and it's new and different and delicious. Each shipment even comes with an info card about the beans and some other information like reading lists and extra stuff that I just enjoy getting in the mail with my coffee. So if you're ready to upgrade your mornings with unique blends of coffee beans, sign up today. Head over to howibuilt.it slash yes and use the code HIBI for $5 off your subscription. And don't worry, if you're going on vacation or you have a little too much some weeks, you can skip shipments or cancel anytime. Again, upgrade your mornings with coffee, great coffee, from Yes Please at howibuilt.it slash yes and use the code HIBI for $5 off. Fantastic, delicious coffee beans shipped right to you. And now back to the show. 
Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that today? I am excited to have a good friend of mine back on the show. He was one of the first guests on How I Built It. His name is Brian Krogsgaard. He is the owner of Post Status. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing great, Joe, and I appreciate you having me back again. I was trying to think when that was, and uh, it's, it's a long time ago. And nearly four years ago at this point. Yeah, you've been doing this show for a long time now and doing it very well, by the way. Thanks for, I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to have a return visit. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate that you were willing to take time for an unproven show uh, back in the day. So uh, I'm glad that we can reconnect. Uh, for those of you who are listening, Brian and I have been talking for a very long time at this point about gear. <laughs> uh, maybe if I release a, a membership or something like that, you'll be able to get the B-side or the pre-show because that was a very fun conversation, but not one we're going to be talking about in, in the actual episode. So we're going to be talking about instead memberships and communities. This is selfish on my part because I want to uh, increase the value and I want to do a membership or community better than I'm doing it now. And I think that Brian is doing it fantastically. But before we get into that, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, maybe what's changed since uh, 2016, the last time you were on this show? Yeah, a lot's changed since 2016, for sure. Um, I've started two new projects since then. Um, Post status is the bread and butter of what I've done for a long time. It's been around since 2013, but I went full-time on post status at the very end of 2014, launched the club membership in 2015 so that it was an income producer 2015 and beyond. So more than five years now, post status has uh, created the majority of my income in that period. And the biggest news probably is that while I worked on some other projects and did some other things, um, at the effective January 1st of this year, I brought on a partner, Corey Miller, who um, he was the CEO of iThemes for a long time before that, deeply embedded into the WordPress community and someone that I trusted to come in and uh, be a part of this project with me. And, you know, getting used to working with a partner and learning how we can feed off one another and create a flywheel effect to create uh, better end products. I say products, but whether that your product is a membership or content or, you know, a physical good, they're all, <laughs> it's all the output of our work. Um, so learning how to uh, work with a partner after working solo and uh, for so long was definitely a big change and something that I've really been enjoying this year and learning and uh, we're doing a lot of stuff together right now. So that's the biggest thing that's different. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm a, a big fan of Corey, obviously. He was another early guest in uh, How I Built It lore. And uh, I think it's... Uh, oh, also, full disclosure, I should say that iThemes is a sponsor of this episode. I almost be mentioned it because I heard it yeah. on the last episode that I listened to, but I wasn't yeah. sure what the ro rotation was like, so I didn't say it. Yeah, they're, the, they're a full season. So... They'll be bringing all of season nine to you. Uh, so yeah, so full disclosure on that, but Corey's great. It's, it's, it's what I'm most excited about for you because I've been a post-status member for several years now and I got the value of like 10 years worth of memberships in that first like couple of months. 
uh, just based, this is no joke, based on the connections I've made uh, and the projects I've been able to work on, the money I've made from people I know, I know only through post status has paid for my post status membership for like until you kill it, probably. <laughs> we won't be killing it, but I will be snipping this out of the episode and hopefully using that as a testimonial. So I appreciate that. Yeah, feel free. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to see uh, some new life breathed into post-status, right? Because uh, by your own admission, you said that you were going full for a while and adding new things. And um, then there were some external distractions, maybe, but you, you've really recommitted. Uh, and again, I should say these are your own words because I, again, I didn't feel like I noticed anything. I was gladly paying. The newsletter came when it came and I was in the community. So, um, but do you want to talk a little bit about that and and kind of what that journey was like? Yeah, I think if I would say anything, it's that when you do something for enough years, you recognize times where you're growing personally or you're growing in your revenue streams. And then you, there are times where you realize you're not, whether your, your own interest wanes a little bit or it feels like more of a grind versus the passion that you may have held at one point, or if your revenue stream is flatlining or going down. And those end up affecting a lot of things and the, the way you feel. Uh, and sometimes, and especially if your product is content, um, then it can also be seen by others as at least a change in the way things look. Um, so post status, you know, it's had up years, it's had down years. The community around WordPress, the WordPress space has changed a lot. It's much more of a professional community and less of a enthusiast and hobbyist community. So more of our memberships are from teams where, you know, the CEO of a company wants their people to stay informed or to stay plugged into the community. So they're the ones paying for membership. But people aren't like hacking WordPress at night as much anymore. It's part of their job. And do you necessarily want to dig in as deep to the, you know, community and information side of things when it's your job? You may want to, you know, not be participating in the same exact way. So the way that you appeal to your potential members changes over time. Um, and, and I have had to evolve with that stuff. And also speaking of memberships, one of the challenges is what's free and what's not. And when more stuff is not free, well, the best marketing is your free content. And so when more stuff is behind a paywall or exclusive, you got to figure out other ways to attract new members. And for a couple of years, word of mouth was easy, but when somebody's had something for two, three, four, five years, they're not going to be necessarily this evangelist on your behalf all the time versus when it's a brand new discovery. So there are lots of people that may have entered the WordPress ecosystem, but they don't know me from Adam or nobody told them post status is the place to go. And it ends up some kind of insider secret, which is great for people in the circle and really bad for the person that's selling it because they don't want it to be a secret. They want everyone to know mm -hmm. it's the place to go for the best community and kind of insider information and analysis. And I don't want that to be a secret. I want everybody to know it. But sometimes it is a secret and it, it makes business and growth and marketing more of a challenge. And that's one of the biggest things that you run into if you're ever considering subscription or premium content is what do I make for free and what do I, uh, you know, enable uh, that people have to pay for. 
Yeah, that's a fantastic point. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot, especially now. Um, one of my, uh, well, my favorite podcast network is Relay FM. I've had at this point both co founders on the show. And uh, Stephen Hackett was on recently, and he talked about this shift, right? Because their content, much like a lot of my content, is free ad supported. And how do you add value to members without taking stuff away, right? That is, that's a delicate balance. And I feel like maybe you had the opposite balance, right? Where you were mostly paid, mostly paid stuff. Some of it was free, but what do you make for free without devaluing the membership? Is that a fair assessment of, of kind of your thought process? Yeah. And finding out what are the parts that people pay for. But not, and then not just what they pay for, but what are the parts that make people stick around? So, what's the part that makes someone renew? And when you have a product that is renewed, that is another important element uh, to consider. And it is all a balance. And a lot of times it requires, um, I would say, testing, but not really testing. It's more like experimentation and risk because you could say, okay, well, I'm going to change one of the things. Some, my membership audience gets for free or that they have to pay for. And all of a sudden it can have this huge effect, positive or negative. You don't really know until you, until you test it out. So um, bringing on a partner with Corey, we are trying to do more experiments and get outside of our comfort zone that we've lived in for years. Because what we've noticed or what I've noticed in the comfort zone is it led to a plateau of membership and it led to a ceiling where our space is a relatively small community. WordPress is huge, you know, 36% mm -hmm. or whatever of the internet runs WordPress, yeah. but that doesn't mean 36% of, you know, the people who have websites want to be a member of post status. The people that tend to look at something like mine are like the insiders of the insiders. Like it's not even just web professionals. It's people that are so interested in what's going on in the WordPress ecosystem that they want to connect with the people that are the CEOs of plugin companies or web agencies and they want to dig in with the core developers and stay in tune with all these different things. That's a smaller audience. That's a much smaller audience. And you have to determine what the balance is there and how to um, monetize that so that we can keep affording to create the content and to create the community that we've developed. And it is a tricky balance. It's something that I've worked on the whole time I've been there. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, right? Because you do, like if you, you know, I remember when you launched your membership, I think, like you said, word of mouth was great. A lot of people wanted to be part of a community, but now four or five years in, how do you prevent that churn? It's really cool to see you experimenting more. It's, uh, I, I really like what you're doing right now. Like you have a free newsletter and a member's newsletter. Is that accurate? Yeah, so there's a free newsletter that has a lot of stuff in it. Um, and if you're just coming to post status for like, what's our, what's weekly happening in the land of WordPress, we are not trying to make that exclusive to members. More mm -hmm. of the content that's exclusive to members is stuff where it's like, um, a conference or a webinar that may be free to stream, but then you have to pay for the extra access or we might give a little extra insight to something or a little mm -hmm. bit of extra detail on content where only members could see that. Um, and what we're shifting to, if I had to say, would be where 
the big thing you get as a member is the connectivity um, through Slack and other other things where you're paying for access not only to us but to other people. Um, and then you get access to some other stuff too. Like actually our, we have a job board. The job board has started to do much better than it did initially where we kind of steadily have maybe 10 or 12 jobs on there, which doesn't sound like a ton if you're running a generic job board. But people that post on our job board have to be members. And when you post a job to our, our job board, we want it to fit certain criteria. It's not just any job. It is a, it's a catered job board. Um, Posting to our job board requires being a member and you kind of understand the community that you're in. Um, and there's just a variety of things that we're trying to look at when we consider that balance. But by making the newsletter, which for a long time, you couldn't get the newsletter at all. There was no newsletter that was free. Like I sent maybe one in six months or something and it was kind of a hello. <laughs> this list mm. is really cold, uh, which was obviously <laughs> the wrong thing to do. But what we did is we started making it free to get kind of that weekly touch point with a lot of the meat and potatoes included for free. Well, guess what? That's advertiser supported, <laughs> you know, like that's part of the deal yeah. there. And yeah. that allows us to give value to our sponsors to give them a little bit larger of a reach and audience. Um, and it allows us to have a place that we can do some marketing to say, okay, well now look at this community element that you're missing because you're only getting the newsletter. Um, and, and you can go over here and you can chat with these people that make these products and the people that are the management of these consulting companies and you can engage with them. And that's more of what we want people to pay for. And in addition to that, and, one of our growth plans got totally obliterated by coronavirus, but was more in-person access as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll be doing, once we're able to safely travel and put this content together, we'll start putting out some in-person workshops where Corey and I and an expert will have an in-person workshop for a very specific niche where people can dig in over the course of a weekend. And that is a value that you get by being a member plus you pay for the specific workshop, but you don't have access to that unless you're a member. Um, and that helps us figure something out too, where it's like one person tells us, well, I couldn't justify a hundred dollars a year for this, despite by the way, like our deals, you know, we have corporate deals. Those are worth a thousand dollars all by themselves. Like if you have a gravity forms uh, license, you're basically paying for your membership just for that. Or you're paying like just with our coupon for, Gravity Forms or iThemes or, you know, probably a couple other of your sponsors, Joe. I don't mean to narrow down into specific corporations, but you know what I mean? Like we have coupons. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We yeah. have coupons worth the membership. So if someone says they don't yeah. have value in it, they weren't looking hard enough. Because then on top of that, there's, we try to hit like all these different things. Because what we find is that people say like, I find the value here or here or here or here. We want it to be worth the membership in any one of those places. But then what we also want to do is there's some people that say, hey, this is worth $500 a year to me or $1,000 a year to me. You need to take more of my money. Well, forever, I said, well, no, nah, we'll just do it for the 100 But now we want to say, we do want to offer you something where we can also take more of your money. And that's some of the growth plan is how do you dig into the people that truly value what you're doing and the type of community and the type of uh, togetherness that you can create and for me, Corey helped me realize that I can create these certain 
things. Like I can get the right people together to provide value for this thing. And maybe that's people that have created a plugin that they want to make it go to the next level. Well, I can, we can put together the workshop for that, that has tremendous value for those people. And not everyone can do that because we can also pull the expert in. We can also pull the itinerary together for what we'll cover in that workshop. So like that's kind of that growth plan that we want to go after. We just can't do it quite yet because we, <laughs> we can't actually right. travel yet. But um, Corey has really helped me discover what are some of these ideas and ways to provide additional value to our paying members. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic. And I'll just say, uh, if I'm buying something in the WordPress space, I always make sure to check your deals first because why not, right? It's, yeah, well, again, that's there. another value point. Yeah, um, though the face that I made while you were saying that was, I, for, I don't know if I checked it for Gravity Forms when I, yeah. uh, I left Gravity Forms for a while and then I came back because ultimately they were the best value for what I needed. Um, not a hashtag, not a sponsor, but there will be an affiliate <laughs> link in the show notes. <laughs> friend, friend of the show. Friend of the show, exactly. So um, the in-person access is really interesting. How maybe we can, if you're willing to talk logistics on some of this stuff, I had two kind of behind the scenes questions. One was about in-person access and then the other was, your newsletter, so I'll, I'll ask the newsletter question first because it's probably easier to answer. Um, are you doing one newsletter with like smart tags for members or are you curating two separate newsletters? Uh, no, we're sending a free newsletter. And mm -hmm. then if we send a member-only newsletter, either we'll highlight, hey, this post, like part of it is member-only or access after the fact is member-only. Uh, but you can watch it live if it's like, a, you know, a, a streamed piece of content. Like we just did a webinar uh, with mm -hmm. the authors of Professional WordPress Plugin Development. And anybody could have seen that webinar, but only members are going to be able to see the recorded version later. So if you missed it live, then you have to be a member. Well, we'll link it in the free newsletter because it's then a lead magnet for people to yeah. sign, you know, sign up to become a member because they missed the webinar in the first place. Um Smart tags is something that I really want to embrace further for a variety of reasons. Um, like I want somebody to say, hey, I'm looking for a job, right? So then I can better target jobs to them yeah. and I can make yeah. the jobs more forefront in the newsletter. Or uh, I want somebody to say like, I'm really interested in memberships and we could put membership specific stuff catered towards them. So like, more of a personalized experience, both to our members and our free subscribers via tags and some of the stuff that's available there. It's just an area where it, it's a little bit of a challenge. And technically, I've always kind of battled with this idea of like website content, newsletter content, how to best send it all and merge it all together and target people with it properly. And I know there's a lot that we can do there, but we that's one of the areas of growth that we can surely do better. Yeah, and uh, that's a tough balance, right? I I kind of deal with the same thing. I for a while in ConvertKit, anytime somebody clicked on a link, I tagged them as interested in that area, right? And then I was like, that's too much. That's too much and I'm not doing anything with it. Maybe it's better if I uh 
if I just pick certain areas, right? Like I have a book coming out and if people click my book link, I tag them as book interest. But then what am I going to do? Like just email them. I don't know. I don't have the metrics if they already bought the book. So there there are a lot of questions when when dealing with that level of granularity uh, and information and personalization that if you're juggling a bunch of other things, it's it's tough, right? Like that almost feels like a job dedicated to a single person. Yeah. There's always balance too. And it doesn't matter if you're addressing a free audience, like a non-paying audience, or if you're addressing a member audience, but it's how do I balance just, uh, just jamming awesome free content down their throat versus upsells or sponsorship reads or whatever else. Like, you know, whatever uh, that something that you want them to pay for with their attention or with their dollars, they're both the same thing, you know, something that you want them to do. And this is that kind of jab, jab, jab hook concept uh, where the jab is the value add right in front of their face. And the hook is, you know, I want them to come buy something or I want them to come pay attention to something. Give me some kind of ROI, whether to my sponsors or through direct payment, whatever else. Um, You really want to hit those jabs regularly uh give them the value a jab sounds like it's harming them but in my case it's you know the, the help <laughs> oh, that's yeah, the, yeah. what's that guy's name that the does t- the jab 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 hook guy uh, oh i don't know i just read marketing made simple by donald miller so like i have the analogy in my head but that's not the terms he used it's uh it's, gary vaynerchuk which i don't uh, even li- i don't even like gary vaynerchuk but this i this concept of like you know, little taps, little taps, little taps, and then mm-hmm. bam, this is what I want you to really do. That's the, that's the hook. And you have to balance how often you're going to hit them with that hook. Uh, because the, you don't want to, you don't want to obliterate someone with upsells. Um, right. Whether they're free, whether they're a free newsletter or a, already a paying member, it doesn't matter. Like you just, you want to provide more value right in front of them and then make them really desire that extra stuff. And when you hit them with the hook, they'll be ready to spend money or give you their attention or whatever it is that you're asking them to do. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to, you want to create less friction, right? Like I think we both know of uh, companies or organizations that they offer you a base and then they offer you an upsell and they offer you an upsell on that upsell. And it's just like, at what point do I get the whole product? Like how, how much more either just give me the whole product for a higher price or include it all in, in what I'm paying for because I don't want to feel like I'm getting nickeled and dimed every time I try to do something. So, And if um, you're, depending yeah. on your touch points, whether it's a podcast episode or an email um, or the, you know, the front page of your website, if too little of it is not a direct and immediate value add, if too much of it is like a, that right hook, then they're going to start ignoring it. And the mm-hmm. thing that I want to make sure I'm maintaining with my newsletter for your paid is I want people opening it and I want people clicking the links on it to show that they're interacting with the newsletter. If they're, if, if I see significant trending down that people aren't opening it, then that's indicative to me that they're not seeing value uh, because when they open it, they're not getting enough like right in front of me value add. Like this is something I have to read. This is something I want to engage with. This is something that I'm getting value from. I want to make sure that they're steadily getting that, whether they pay me or not, uh, and then hit them with the right hook where it matters. Because if you're getting 
whether, I don't know, it depends on your industry and whatever else. If you're getting 50 or 60 or 70% of the people opening your newsletter, that's better than if you're constantly hitting them with upsells to the point where you, you wear their attention spans down so much that you only get 10 or 20% of the people opening it. Your lead potential is way down because you've hit them too hard. Uh, versus consistently providing value, making sure they always want to open it, and then you have m- many more eyeballs, many more engaged customers ready to spend that extra dollar with you when you're ready for the right hook. Today's episode is brought to you by Smile and their product, Text Expander. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. You know I'm all about automation, and Text Expander is a great way to get started with automation. It allows you to create your own snippets for repetitive text you tend to use everywhere. Add the text, create a snippet, and boom, save precious time and keystrokes. One of my favorite snippets is for my address. So instead of typing out my full address and risking typos, I simply type dollar sign A-D-D-R and Text Expander does the rest, filling in my full address for me. I also have snippets for my street, my city, and my zip code. But that's not all Text Expander does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is when I type PPT. That will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it to plain text. So I'm no longer fighting formatting when I copy from a Word document, a Google Doc, or a plain HTML page, like a website. I also use it for common links, email messages, which I can completely customize with fill-ins and drop-down menus, and even date calculations. I'm currently writing a book, and Text Expander has been instrumental with that. Text Expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. So pretty much anywhere you do computing. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or automation in general, now's the time. As a listener, you can get 20% off your first year. Just visit textexpander.com podcast and let them know how I built it sent you. That's textexpander.com podcast for 20% off your first year. And now back to the show. Are you worried that you're going to see less engagement as more people use Hey? Uh, no, I mean, we kind of ran into that with Google. They, they did Google pro, uh, promotions tab and some like, you know, there's always, mm-hmm. there's always yeah. different things that people have to do to filter through their email. Email proves year in, year out, decade in, decade out that it's the best way to deliver content. Post status launched around the same time as Stratechery and everybody points at Stratechery as like the innovator for the model of, you know, newsletters. And now Substack is everywhere. Everybody's monetizing newsletters. Post status has been doing it for a long time. Never got anywhere close to Stratechery size, but Stratechery was very general. Um, mm-hmm. Can reach a whole lot of people. But within our industry and with our, in our space, we've done okay with okay for ourselves and it's kind of stood the test of time. It doesn't always grow, but like it's been a good job, you know, and it's got a good community and it's lasted. Anything that you can make last for a while, um, there's something to be proud of there. Even when wrenches get thrown your way. My domain, when I first bought poststatus.com because it started as poststat.us, poststatus.com was banned by Google. So I've never had good SEO at all. 
Like our content was unfindable. Yeah. So Post Status was a website that was my full-time job. And for at least two years, the domain was essentially banned by Google because the previous owner had run it into the ground with some kind of spam or something. So wow, we work with what we got, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, (laughs) That's really funny. And actually your trade secret uh, the first time you were on the show was don't undervalue email newsletters like <laughs> so and I, I I swear to God I took that to heart um, and I like really doubled down on my my newsletter since then because I you said it Justin Ferriman said it the same season and just like um, I've and, been repeating it on this show for four years and the world's caught on to that you know the substacks yeah. of the world because they are now they're saying build your audience on Instagram like what you're uh, recent guest said, and then or build your audience on Twitter or whatever else. But then the place where you really want them to go is to your newsletter because then you're in, then you're in their inbox. You're not just in their mm-hmm. feed that scrolls past. Like the way right. you truly get their attention is by being in their email. Yeah, and you own that list, right? Like that's right. Facebook can't just change an algorithm and destroy your newsletter. Like yet, at least. And that was something really interesting, actually. You in that episode, we're talking about the you were asking what's the drawdown of declaring yourself as a business on Instagram. And what I wondered is when will Instagram make you pay up for people to see your posts at all because you're a business versus if you're an individual, they'll assume like you're their friend or something and you know, they won't make you pay to be visible because Facebook did that. Remember they made business pages. You had to do the promoted thing or sponsored page, you know, posting thing to get in front of as many eyeballs because they can. Those are essentially yep. social media it's monopolies and it's their platform. And this is what got us interested in WordPress and, and self-hosted publishing forever ago is that this is a domain that I own. And I, if there's a trend that I hope comes, it's a return to understanding the importance of owning your own content and owning your own domain. And I would love to see... Um, whether it's the blog experience or podcasts or whatever else, these forms of owning your own platform really make a return to prominence as people see the value there uh, and the lasting value there because it doesn't fade away with a trend of a social media platform coming in or out. Like, will TikTok matter five years from now? I don't know. (laughs) But like, I don't want to make my bet on putting all my content just on TikTok, you know? like, Yeah. It's like how brands like put a lot of stock in Snapchat and maybe I'm just old and I don't hear as much about Snapchat anymore, but no, I think just Snapchat, it's just not growing the same way. And yeah, right. Because they failed to monopolize the uh, format. That's the only way you win. Right. And Facebook acquires and then clones and dominates that space. And, Mm -hmm. but then you're totally reliant on that and, 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 their good being in their good graces. Like what about, what do these YouTube stars do if YouTube suddenly takes away like 50% or 80% of their revenue stream because they just changed their rules? Well, the only way they have access to anyone is through YouTube. Like they're all in trouble if they don't own that. The problem that we face though, is that the world of owning your own content and self-hosted content really needs to evolve the way you can deliver the content because you can't deliver something as convenient as an Instagram story or as accessible of a network effect uh, as the YouTube search algorithm. You know, when I want to learn 
about the Sony a6400, it's a lot easier for me to find Joe Casabona's review because I searched for the a6400 on YouTube, not because I knew to go to Joe Casabona's website. Right. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. And I feel like there's some cloak and dagger stuff that Google is doing with AMP. I know Google doesn't own AMP anymore. It's like a whole open source thing. But um, I think it was Kathy Bosco at uh, WordCamp US was showing me some of the cool things that you can do with like the WordPress AMP plugin to make your website more like Instagram and add mm-hmm. stories and things like that. But there's still a discoverability issue there, right? Like you, there, yeah, people the, need to know to go to my website. Yeah, the network effects and the discoverability, all those things are really challenging. And Google and and Facebook are the real gatekeepers to that stuff right now. And um, I'd really love to see some pushback on that. Um, but at the end of the day, especially people that are providing members-only stuff, that's the stuff they really own, right? The, the stuff mm-hmm. that they really control the keys to. And I think the stuff that will have lasting, is the stuff that will have lasting value rather than a Facebook post or a tweet or an Instagram story. And um, I, w- I would love to see the world more broadly start to value those things more and start to push back against that idea that, you know, face, it's okay for Facebook to own everything or YouTube to own everything. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's let's get into kind of um you we've talked mostly about post status here, but you manage three different membership communities or you at least manage two and have launched a third one as we record this. Um so let's get into the title question of how did you build it? And I want to talk about building and capturing that audience and then maybe a little bit of if someone wants to start a membership site today, like what tech stack would you recommend for them? So let's answer the, I know this is like, that could be a whole other episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's start with building and capturing that audience. Uh, and because it is three different audiences, right? So is there like an approach you take for each time or is it really dependent on the audience? Yeah. All right. So this is a really tough question. In some, in some ways, you have to have t- good timing, right? Like, if you start producing content for something and trying to capture an audience as something is fading away in terms of relevance, you're only going to be so successful. So trying to time trends in the world and in the marketplace is part of it that's going to be important. And I think both in the WordPress community and my second project in the crypto community, like Bitcoin and stuff, both Mm. of those, I really benefited from things being on the uptrend, on the up and up of people's awareness. So people were coming to understand that the best and easiest way to build a website was with WordPress. And people were getting more and more interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies for a variety of reasons back when I started Ledger Status, which is my secondary project, um, I benefited from having good timing on both of those. And those are two very different things too. Like my audience in crypto, I don't monetize it near as much, um, partly because I want to make sure I pay attention to my bread and butter, which is post status. Mm-hmm. But the audience size is much bigger. Um, I have a much bigger audience in crypto than I do in WordPress, but I have I make more money in WordPress. So the size of the audience is not necessarily the only thing that matters. 
It's also how can you monetize that audience and the influence that you have in an ecosystem. Um, but both of those, the most important thing was definitely timing. Um, the next thing was to, number one, have the knowledge, but not just the knowledge, also the willingness to share the knowledge that you pick up. There's always somebody just kind of near behind you, right? Like somebody that hasn't taken the step that you just took. So I don't have to be an expert on every little thing. I just have to have good enough awareness of what I've learned so that then I can share it appropriately with the person that's looking for it right behind me. And that's a really important component that a lot of people just don't understand. Because once you become too much of an expert on something, now you don't even find something interesting that other people, it's mind-blowing and there's tons mm-hmm. of value there. So like trying to figure out how do I share something just right with that audience? And as long as you continuously chase that, that learning mindset and then the sharing mindset behind it, people are going to be drawn to the fact that you are willing to share and the fact that you are uh, curious and passionate or whatever. Like, and you don't even have to be passionate about something necessarily if you can still have the discipline to do it, right? Um, so, but constantly being willing to share something that is going to be valuable to someone is a really important part. And that's what I did in both of those ecosystems. I just started getting to know people, started to engage with people, and started to share the things that I had been learning, whether they were like the foremost expertise in the ecosystem was not important. They were helpful to someone. And that's how I built both of those audiences, both to significant degrees and both from zero. Like I didn't know a single person in the WordPress space or the crypto space. And both of them have tens of thousands of followers now. Um, And that was purely based on engaging and trying to be honest and curious and uh, just involved. And consistent is the other thing that I would add to it. Uh, Not like in your face all the time necessarily, but consistent and steady. That is, especially the the willingness to share. I think that's so important. Like you said, I mean, you said it a few times and, and just keeping in mind that you, like you said, you don't need to be an expert. There's somebody who will always learn from you. So share what you're learning. And uh, and and remember that there was a there was a podcast I listened to for a while that shared like really interesting stuff about marketing and building your business. And then this the the host slowly started to lose me because they were they were talking about how they launched a Facebook campaign and they only spent ten thousand dollars and they ended up making millions. And I'm like, I I can't spend ten thousand dollars on a Facebook campaign. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, you've you've lost me. Maybe you're talking to somebody else now, but I like I was listening to the show for a long time and I was like, maybe they need to get back to basics. Maybe it's working for them. They yeah. have a multi-million dollar business at this point. So who am I to say? But I think that's a struggle for people too. It's to remember yeah. who, who your audience is and who you're talking to. I do think a, authenticity is a really important component of this as well. Is, you know, <laughs> part of, Someone can view you as an expert, but you have to be real about what level of expert you are. Maybe you are. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know more about um, trading 
uh, Ethereum than anyone else, or you know more <laughs> about uh, building decentralized applications on the blockchain or whatever your thing is. Right. Like, that's that world for me. Like I'm yeah. not that person, right? Like I only know some of the things that I know, and I want to be real about where I am and who I am and what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to share. And most of the people that I've established community with in that space, they appreciate the authenticity that I bring to it. That I'm not saying like, oh, I'm Mr. Expert on this thing over here. And they know that. I'm, I'm putting that out front. If you're trying to sell yourself as something that you're not, people will pick up on that. So that mm-hmm. authenticity is a really important component. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I always tell, I always let others know this person called me an expert. I don't think I am an expert. Oh, like Joe's <laughs> yeah. a cigar expert. I am not a cigar expert. Yeah, but you can say, Joe's- I really love cigars and I've loved the journey yes. of learning about cigars. And here's some of the things that yes. I've learned. For instance, like here's what you want to do if you've never smoked a cigar before. Here's some things to consider. Exactly, exactly. And the same thing with podcasting. Joe's the podcast expert. I have a successful podcast. I have not made this a repeatable business for me though. Like yeah. I haven't started four insanely successful podcasts. I can just tell you what I've learned and what has worked for me. And it will probably work for you because I'm not, I'm not like a marketing savant or anything like that. I just show yeah. up. Like you said, be consistent. Right. You're Joe Casabona. You're not Bill Simmons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You don't want to try to be or Bill Joe Simmons. Rogan. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to be somebody that's created something that they sold for a hundred million dollars, or they've created a dozen podcasts that have million person audiences. Right. You want to be who you are, and you can provide value to plenty of people. Like, I don't know. Let's say somebody gets uh, ten or twenty or fifty thousand listens a month. Well, they can provide a lot of value to the people that are getting a hundred listens per month, and they're trying to figure out how can they get a thousand. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I, I just think that's, again, really uh, imposter syndrome is a terrible thing that we all have at some point. And we just need to remember that uh, people are tuning into your content because they find value and keep delivering that value. Be consistent, I think is really important. Have your own uh, success metrics, right? I'm I'm not going to say I'm not a successful podcaster because I didn't sell my podcast for hundreds of millions of dollars to Spotify, right? That's only Joe Rogan can do that. Um, maybe it was a hundred million, not hundreds of millions. Uh, uh, it'll but, end up being worth hundreds of millions, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I'm successful because I have a full slate of sponsors and I'm able to make ends meet and make money off of the podcast and help people and have great conversations. And you Those make are my your living metrics. in front of a microphone, like, and it's yeah, a, de- it's and it's a crazy. decent one. Tell some uh, radio host that they're like, holy cow, I've got a significant audience on my radio station over here. And I'm like barely surviving off ramen, <laughs> you know? And yeah, like, right, right. But part of that so, is that you were on, like, technically or, or whatever else, they may have a lot of experience because they are on the radio. But you took advantage of the medium as well, like the, the podcasting yep. medium and knowing that podcasting was a thing that is important and is something that you should focus on. And that's part of your advantage. Yeah. And, and like you said, I think timing was super important, right? Because I launched 
three or four months before a very similarly named podcast on a huge network. Yeah. Um, so like I knew like I got the naming right. I got the content uh, type and topic right. And I think that really helped me in yeah. the beginning. So yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this was a mistake or if it was something that saved me, but you know, I talked about post status and there's a membership there and mm-hmm. um, eventually I did a membership on the letter status side on the crypto side. People were asking me to do it way earlier though. And I, it was certainly the biggest opportunity cost because I had uh, put up a teaser page that I was like, okay, so many people have asked me to put out some kind of course or something like that or membership content. And I was like, if you're interested in this, it will cost money. Sign up here if you're interested. And I did that. It was basically the top of the market and people were begging me. All of these new people in the ecosystem literally begging me for this content. And I had 3,000 people fill out this interest form of wanting to pay me money for this course. And it would have been, I would have made hundreds of thousands of dollars if I was just like, all right, it's for sale. I did not do it. It terrified me. I was like, (laughs) this is supposed to be the side thing. Post status is my main thing. I can't do this right now. And I let it go cold, cold, cold. And I sat on it for like two years or something until the market was at the depths, you know, like, you know, Bitcoin had this hype cycle. People got super interested. It was on CNBC and it was on the mm-hmm. New York Times. Everybody's getting rich except for you. Like those, right. <laughs> those types <laughs> of things. And then it went as cold as can be, lost 70% of its value. The fundamental reasons for why it's interesting didn't go away. And then I was like, all right, now I'm going to test this thing. Well, I got like 70 yeah. people to sign up for the course, which was fine because it was much yeah. more manageable for me. However, I gave up hundreds of thousands of dollars of potential revenue. So in my head, I'm always like, well, should I have done that or shouldn't I? But I wasn't ready when I put that out. I just was being asked to do it. And there's a difference between imposter syndrome of saying like, you know, I could do this, but I'm, you know, like telling myself I can't versus knowing truly that you aren't ready from a scope perspective, from an expertise perspective, especially when something does have consequences. like. Mm-hmm. You know, I say like you can teach someone, well, what if you're in woodworking and you don't know the first thing about a table saw? You know, like you need to be able to establish the reasons why, how people manage their their safety using a table saw before you write, do videos about how to use a table saw. Now, I wasn't that way with crypto, but like I didn't feel like I had the expertise necessary for what people were asking me to provide for them. And I certainly had not put in the time to develop the course content that they wanted to pay for. So it would have been Mm -hmm. rushing it out for the timing of the market. And that wasn't worth it to me. So I waited. And there's an opportunity cost in that, but I slept better at night. And that that speaks so much to your credibility, right? Because on the other side of the coin, now, I mean, this was just like something I was able to do really easily. Uh, When I hit 50,000, lifetime downloads, um, which took about nine months. Mm -hmm. For comparison's sake, I'm getting over 40,000 a month now. Um, But when I rolled out 50,000 lifetime downloads, I was like, Patreon time. People are going (laughs) to give me money for something. And then like your Uh, mom was your only Patreon. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had, I think, two signups. And now I'm like, I have to edit all of these episodes to remove ads. And I need to put out yeah. extra content for $3 a month, basically, um, after Patreon takes their cut. Like, that was ill-conceived. I did it too fast. I closed it down. I probably lost people's, you know, the four people who did it, their trust. Um, and so it's really important to be ready, especially when someone's like, how do I take, you know, a thousand dollars and turn it into $10,000 with Bitcoin or whatever, right? Like yeah. that would be too much pressure for me. Being ready <laughs> and being realistic. They're, yeah, they're important. And the, you have to be able to identify the difference between that and imposter syndrome. Um, yes. And um, being realistic, well, being realistic is to say, well, I have a hundred YouTube subscribers. How can I go full time on YouTube? Right. That's not realistic. Right. Right. You say, okay, um, I am really good at this thing. And somehow I've built up, say, a hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. How can I grow from a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand or whatever I need to go full time or hire someone full time to help me? Those are the types of decisions that are more about imposter syndrome and less about realistic because you're on a, you're on a path at that point. And mm -hmm. most overnight successes were grinders for years before they were an overnight success. This episode is brought to you by iThemes. Did you know that 60% of website breaches occur because a vulnerability could have been patched but wasn't? That means having software with known vulnerabilities installed on your site gives hackers the blueprint they need to take over your site. Every day, it gets harder and harder to keep track of every disclosed WordPress vulnerability. You have to compare that list to your plugins and themes by version and make sure you're constantly updating. To solve this problem, the iThemes Security Pro plugin created a better way to protect your sites against software vulnerabilities, the number one culprit of WordPress sites. The new improved WordPress security site scan, powered by iThemes, performs automatic checks for known website vulnerabilities and automatically applies available fixes so you don't have to. Whew. That's some peace of mind. And I could speak personally to this because as somebody who has repaired hacked websites, I know that it could be costly and dangerous to lose information, especially when it's personally identifiable. So iTheme Security Pro also includes a ton of other features to help you keep the bad guys out. Brute force protection, two-factor authentication, passwordless logins, and compromised password protection. Plus a whole lot more to keep you safe. If you want to start securing your sites today, head over to howibuilt.it slash iThemes to get the best WordPress security plugin to secure and protect WordPress. iThemes is giving How I Built It listeners a 20% discount by using the code HowIBuiltIt at checkout. Again, that's HowIBuilt.it slash iThemes. That's HowIBuilt.it slash I-T-H-E-M-E-S. And use the code HowIBuiltIt at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. We're just like hearkening back to 2016 in this episode because that was a, another common theme that kept coming up is that you see the... Olympic gold medalist standing on the podium, what you don't see is the years of sacrifice and training 
they uh, they did to get to that podium. So yeah, you're just um, like, how can I right. be that person? How I want how how do I become Peter McKinnon? And it's like, well, yeah. Peter McKinnon did a lot before he ever started a YouTube channel, uh, much less got five million subscribers or however many there are now. Like, you can't just buy a camera and put a YouTube video up and become Peter uh, Peter McKinnon or you know whoever else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta. I mean, and the the thing about YouTube, right, is because I'm like I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube, and mm-hmm. that like minimum hours watched per calendar year uh, so that I can like, you know, throw an ad at the beginning or end, right? Like maybe start to monetize in a That's different funny. way. I didn't even know you could do that. I've, on my crypto channel, I've got a few thousand subscribers and that was not, I didn't try very hard for those, but I didn't even realize I could monetize that. Yeah, you can, they changed it. Like you used to be able to, anybody could just turn on ads, but then they changed now it you to, have to get a certain audience. A thousand subscribers and it's, I forget the exact number, but it's a minimum um, average monthly watch hours well, in a calendar. Speaking year. of how the platforms that you don't own can change the rules underneath you, there you go. Yeah, that uh, Amazon lowering their affiliate link payout. Um, I know we're going on a tangent. My YouTube tangent doesn't matter, uh, <laughs> but this is this really reinforces your point, right? Because there were there were people who relied on Amazon affiliate income that just saw it cut in a half in some cases, right? Yeah. Where like you were getting 8% for the most generous down to 4 or 3%. Most of it went from like 4% to 3%, yeah. if we're being realistic. But, That's you know... 25% for some people, which is probably yeah. an employee or whatever they were doing if they were adver- really that reliant on, on advertising. Yeah. I, and again, I've seen a, an uptick in my own affiliate stuff because I have a couple of YouTube videos that are doing really well. Um, but I'm like, man, they could be doing even better. I'm glad that I didn't build my business on affiliate income. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, there was one more. Oh, right. And we even saw like Wirecutter, right? I think this was a really interesting, maybe we can end with this before we get tips uh, from you about kind of platform stuff because... We're going to go long. That's okay, everybody, because I really <laughs> enjoy talking to Brian. Um, but the wire cutter, right? We know people who work there. They just moved under the New York Times domain. And uh, if I had to put money on it, I would bet that in early 2021, they're going to start paywalling some of that stuff to, subscri- to subscribers only. If I had to bet. Yeah, I, mean, I want to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think a lot media is a tough landscape, but a lot of them are trying to figure out how to make it. And the New York Times is one of the most prominent, best, most successful paywalls. And even they are trying to figure out how can we sustain this and sustain our quality of content and everything else and figure this out. And if the wire cutter is going to help them do that, that's what they'll do. The wire, when you sell, the wire cutter sold to the New York Times, you can say all you want. Nothing's going to change. It's going to continue to be the same. But eventually when you're owned by someone else, like, it's going to be folded into the overall goal, which is to do better and be more successful for the company as a whole. And if folding that into the New York Times and putting, if you if you want to view more than three wire cutter articles in a month, you got to subscribe to the New York Times. The New York Times is going to do that because that's their business. And that's what it should be. We should be maximizing our business opportunities. Um, so absolutely. You mentioned about, I just wanted to make a real quick cut because I've talked about two communities that I built and 
imposter syndrome. Well, I'm totally reliving that right now because the third one, Mm -hmm. when you're you're saying two is correct because the third one's brand new and we're now doing this all over again. It's like, okay, well, let's see if we can uh, strike again. The difference for me, and this is uh, the reason I bring this up, is I'm also doing this with Corey Miller, my partner for Post Status, because what I do know is that the challenges of doing something alone are, they introduce things that make it difficult because you will not believe in yourself in certain things or you will not go for it with a little extra risk. And when you have a partner to feed off of, you get to feed off of one another's strengths and you also get to uh, support one another and remind one another that, hey, we can do this and we can move forward and we can share the burdens and we can share the worries. Um, And to me, that's worth it to share the income as well. Like, and then you even celebrate the wins, you know? So now we're, we're going through that and to launch a third project, but I would not have been comfortable launching another project by myself from a bandwidth perspective, but also all those other reasons that I just described. So now we're going into this commerce journey, which is what it's called, uh, together. And that's what, that's what makes me excited is that I get to work with a partner on it. And so I would recommend anybody, if there's somebody else also interested in what you're working on and in your industry and in your thing, going in with a partner, if you can set it up as a proper partnership, I do think that you can be more successful in the long run doing so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I work alone, um, but I would echo a lot of that sentiment, right? Because I lean on my mastermind group a lot for certain things. Yeah. Um, and I know that like my, my products are better because of it. And it's great that I have such a willing mastermind group because they, they have no, you know, no dog in that race, except they're rooting for me. They want to see you succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but having a partner who is equal stakes, somebody who can, or, you know, has stake, has skin in the game. Yeah. Um, who, who can put more brain power towards the product, I think is, is something that is undervalued by freelancers. Cause a lot of freelancers will say, I just want to, I want to do things my own way, but, um, you know, going it alone, uh, is, is tough. Sometimes and I'm I'm noticing that a lot more lately, as I'm actually trying to do the right thing and not just the thing I think is right. Yeah, yeah. And it took me five so. years to really fully come to terms with that. You know, yeah. I probably would have benefited from a partner from the outset with post status, but uh, better late than never. Yeah, for sure. It's a, I'm. This is I have begun my third full year of self my third year of self employment. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I just, oh no, fourth, right? Because 2017 is when I started. So yeah. I'm in my fourth year of self-employment and it's, it's really something to think about if I want to grow. Um, so let's see, we are almost at the hour mark here. And before I, I ask you my favorite question, I, we teased potential tech stack. Maybe we you could just talk about um, one or two tools that you use that you would recommend uh, or just the tools that you use that if, if somebody wants to start a, a a membership site. Yeah. So for a membership site specifically, you need your own domain. You need your own website. I love WordPress. Um, and I think WordPress does a fantastic job at doing just about everything. You can accomplish just about anything with WordPress. It's not always the perfect solution, but it can always kind of be your home base. 
Um, so I still <laughs> fully supportive of the WordPress side of things. With a membership, a couple of things to consider though are um, how am I going to deliver this content? So if it's a podcast app or if it's a, or if, if it's your podcast or if it's your email, you know, there's this omni-channel component, right? There's the, or the YouTube channel, uh, but you need that core location where everything is truly yours. I didn't answer your question at all there in terms of what, <laughs> what I would most recommend for a membership site though, because it really is that blend, that blend of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's tough, right? Because if you're just doing content, maybe it will, we'll just, I'll just throw out some plugins. I have a suspicion I know what you use. I think it's probably the same as what I use, but like there are other ones. If you're just doing content, maybe Restrict Content Pro is good or Wishlist Member is good. Um, I have an e-commerce component. I use Wo- WooCommerce membership. Yes, yeah, so I use WooCommerce memberships as well. And the folks at Skyverge are fantastic that make that. Um, Amen to that. And... Oh man. For membership size specifically. Joe, you, ah, I should know this we, better. I mean, we, we, you know, we don't have to, uh, if you just recommend your own tool, cause I mean, like it's hard, right? So also we can edit this out if you want. Um, but it's hard, right? Cause I don't, I have no idea what like the software as a service membership side looks like. Teachable does it poorly. I think a lot of people use like Kajabi, uh, but that's mostly courses. Like I have Memberful is the one that I know the most. And I hear that's like trying its best to put it nicely. Like that's, so I have no idea what a non-WordPress solution looks like. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, LMS type stuff that exists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Anything with a login is all you need. In my opinion. Love it. I do not. Love it. I don't think from a software perspective, you need something that has every bell and whistle, whether it's uh, course completion metrics or certificates or sending the emails by themselves. I think you need to just have a way for customers to see what you have available to log in and whatever will help you reduce the friction to do so is a good tool. I don't think there's a, a you know, a, a perfect tool that packages it all together. I think if I did make one recommendation though for membership sites, I love Stripe and I love being able to use it to take credit cards and make subscriptions. One tip I'll give is don't discount the value of PayPal and people's ability to use PayPal because they have some funds on it or because it's available or it's really easy for them. I think people that don't accept PayPal are really foregoing some sales that they otherwise would have had because it, for a lot of people, it's kind of their fun money budget, what's in their PayPal account. Kind of like when you have a balance in your Venmo, which conveniently is also owned by PayPal. Like <laughs> if I can just send someone money on Venmo, I don't feel like I lost it because it didn't come out of my bank account. You know, it just came out of Venmo. It's fun money. And I think PayPal serves that similar purpose for professional development products if that's what you're selling, like a course membership or something. I can't echo that enough. The The day I launched my first course, I did it with only Stripe because I was like, forget PayPal. Stripe is easier. And nearly immediately, somebody emailed me and said, do you support PayPal? Yeah. And I was like, now I do. Like I, I, I rolled it out right there because I'm like, I wanted to make that first sale. Even, you're a, right. even with a tech savvy like audience money. like mine, yeah. 
I still have a huge percentage of people that use PayPal for a variety of reasons. And, you know, there's a ton of horror stories about PayPal support or some of those types of mm-hmm. things. Some of the best- And like holding your money or whatever. Holding your money, shutting you down. Some of the best support I've yeah. ever gotten is from PayPal. <laughs> like really? Human beings that I call a phone number and I talk to someone and then they solve my problem. So- That's amazing. That's when I, when I rolled out uh, subscriptions- like to do it through PayPal, you need to basically call somebody. Yes. And I was like annoyed about that at first. But then like the dude I talked to was like so nice and helpful. And I'm like, thanks, PayPal. I understand. I yeah. understand and appreciate. Now, if you ever want to get like transfer your subscriptions or transfer your account, PayPal has a lot of legacy stuff that makes that tough. But it, mm-hmm. it whatever struggles exist with PayPal, in my opinion, are worth it because you will make money. You will make more money having PayPal enabled. It doesn't even have to be your primary option, but you should always give somebody options to give you money if that's what they want. Like if they're willing to give you money, then give them the options of ways to give you money. I don't care what those ways are. If they want to give me money for my product, I want to take it. Yeah, I say, I say all the time. I just sounded like Foghorn Leghorn there. (laughs) (laughs) Do not make it hard for people to give you money. Yeah. If you are in business or just a person that's like, hey, I want to give you money for this thing. However you want to give me the money is fine. You use the cash app. I'll set up a cash account right now if you're going to send me money that way. So, yeah, absolutely. Brian, we've talked for a very long time. I do need to ask you uh, my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Do I have any trade secrets? Well, I'm going to stick to membership sites. But if I said... One trade secret, something that I found valuable, if you are going to be a presence, if you're going to be a personality for your product, so you're not selling, uh, you know, like a physical good, but even if you are selling a physical good, you want to present yourself and your own story in a professional manner. So I would, I would say invest at least a little bit in your audio and video quality. And I know that's like super popular right now with work from home and all these things going on. However, I do think it's really important and it'll help set you apart from your competition no matter what industry you're in. Because when you look good on video and when you sound good on audio, people are going to take you more seriously. They're going to treat you as a professional and they're going to be more willing to pay you. Love that. I cannot, uh, I cannot express that sentiment enough. Um, audio, video, get some lighting. Like get just like, Two lights, white lights on either side of your desk so you're, you're not broadcasting from a dungeon. Um, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Where can people find you? Uh, start at poststatus.com or follow me at Krogsgard on Twitter, which is just my last name. And then you can find links to other stuff from there. Awesome. I will link to that and everything we talked about in the show notes. Uh, over at howibuilt.it. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Thanks so much to Brian for joining us today. I always, always, always appreciate his time. I know he's got his hands full with three different types of memberships, but uh, I love his tips for the listeners, right? You need to own your website domain, Um, check out WooCommerce memberships. I'm a big fan of that. And don't discount the value of PayPal. I think I said this during the episode, but 
when I first launched my online courses, it was minutes after I launched that somebody asked for PayPal, even though I only had Stripe. So don't discount PayPal. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors for this episode. Yes, please. Coffee, Text Expander, and iThemes, their support means a lot to me. You can find everything about them and everything that we talked about on the show over at howibuilt.it slash 189. And remember, if you want to get tips and tricks and advice and content delivered directly to your mailbox, sign up for the Build Something Weekly newsletter. You can find that over at howibuilt.it slash 189 as well. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, Get out there and build something.